This episode of the Business Samurai Podcast is brought to you by Lamar Marie Popcorn. You can get now one bag and get a second bag for half off with the code BARKER at checkout. So if you like your snacks a little sweet, a little salty, a little mixture of both, go check out LamarMarie.com and all of the flavors that they have for your next snacking sensation. That is LamarMarie.com with code BARKER at checkout for buy one, get one, half off. You are listening to the Business Samurai Podcast. Growing a business is hard work. The faster you grow, the harder it is to keep yourself on the right path. Welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast, where we break down the fundamental skills necessary to become a well-rounded leader as you continue to conquer the world in your business. The best business-related podcast as you captain your own destiny and rise above the noise. To help your growth strategy in simple terms you will understand, you will learn the best metrics to track, how communication is the lifesaver when it comes to business, and how good policy will fix the weak link when it comes to cybersecurity. People. Listen in on conversations with world-class business leaders and how they manage growth and integrate the latest technology. We will deconstruct their processes on how they choose to advance themselves, their team, and customers. You are stepping into a world of proactive business with your host, John Barker. I am your co-host, John Barker, joined with AJ Orr. How's it going, AJ? Another beautiful day in paradise. I'm glad it's Friday. Yes, we typically record these on Fridays <laughs> to try to end the week good. I hope everybody's got their beer out. I should have had got one for myself. Um, Amen so, to that. Man, we got a we got a special guest today. We got Boyan Simic. He is the chief executive officer and chief technology officer of Hyper. We're gonna have to uh, get him to explain how he diverges between those two roles. Hyper is H-Y-P-R. There is no E for anybody listening out there and want to look them up. Boyan's vision is for the elimination of shared secrets and his experience in authentication and cryptology serves as the underlying foundation for Hyper's technology and company strategy of ridding the world of passwords. We want to get to a passwordless environment. Previously, he served as information security consultant for Fortune 500 Enterprises in the financial and insurance verticals, conducting security architecture reviews, threat modeling and penetration testing. It was in April, 2021, that Hyper closed Series C funding of $35 million in value, doubling the company's total fundraiser to 70 million. Boyan also serves as Hyper's delegate to FIDO, which is the Fast Identity Online Alliance Board of Directors, empowering the Alliance's mission to rid the world of passwords, which would be awesome. Boyan, really appreciate you taking the time to come and uh, chat with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm also looking forward to the weekend. That's for sure. Yeah, no, uh, you know, absolutely. <laughs> so, real quick, uh, can give us a little bit more details in, in your backstory and how you actually got into deeply involved in authentication protocols because that's that's really really niche. <laughs> it is. It is niche, and it is um, riches in the niches. Kind of masochistic in nature as well. <laughs> Authentication was one of those, and, and just in general, identity is one of those things in the security industry where it is really, really hard because it's one of those few security technologies that we have to have every single person at a company use. You know, a lot yeah. of times when we think about, you know, some cloud security tool or whatever else, you know, there's maybe like three or four people at a company that check the dashboard or look at alerts, you know, on a regular basis with authentication, the most technical person at the company is using it and prosecuting the heck out of it. And also the least technical person is, <laughs> is using it and prosecuting it. And you have to make it work for all of them. And so for me, the way I got into it is 
you know, I, I started out as a software engineer, just writing code all the time. And we always use passwords to authenticate to everything. And that was annoying, but it was just the way things are done. And then I moved into cybersecurity uh, full time, mostly from an application security perspective. And I started getting good at doing things like penetration tests and security architecture reviews and all that stuff. And you know, nine out of 10 times when we would break into some application of some sort of software, it was because we compromised the credential and it was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's a, there's a pattern here. Um, and then, so when it came time to uh, start a company around this topic in particular, we said, Hey, uh, let's kind of take a step back and really look at things. Cause a lot of times when we technologists want to solve a problem, we like to take what's already there and find ways to build on top of it. Right. And say like, let's solve the problem that way. That's just the, it's the easy way to do things most of the time. And when we look at authentication for like the last 20 years, you know, we just added layers and layers on top of passwords and it, it, all it's done is made things more complicated, uh, made things more costly for businesses. And we still get hacked all the time. <laughs> and, and like, so, so it hasn't really done much. So when we started the company, we said, how can we actually like eliminate the foundation of what authentication is actually built on? And that is the password and kind of start from scratch essentially, and then just go down that route. And that's a really difficult thing to do because it forces you to be very uncomfortable with the way that you build technology. And so for, for us, that, that was, that's kind of the origin. And you know, look, Bill Gates in 2005 got on stage at the RSA conference and said, the demise of the password is imminent and Microsoft <laughs> is doing it. And like, you know, <laughs> here we are 20 years later almost, and, you know, we're, we're still talking about it. So I think that's why it was just so critical to kind of start with a new foundation and build on top of that rather than depending on what's been done before. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, identity and access management is probably one of the bigger things that as a security practitioner uh, that we try to get businesses to understand and focus on, because you're right, from the, the top of the chain where, and the heavy users who understand it and, and scrutinize it uh, all the way down to the entry level person who's not uh, may not be the most tech savvy of users. Um, we all have passwords and the more, comp you know, like you said, we, we've layered on top of it and layered on top of it. And so as you as you look at changing this, uh, this this behemoth of an issue and, and, and trying to tackle that, uh, how did you begin to, to dissect that into to what it is that you guys are doing? Yeah, we kind of looked at patterns in identity uh, and patterns in Internet scale changes over the last three decades. And if you boil it down to like the least common denominator and when you really think about like, what are some things that every single person that uses the internet has in common? One of them, they use a browser. Right. <laughs> That's that everybody has that in common. Two is everybody uses a password. Yes. And so when we look at just those two examples, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but back in like 1995, 1996, like when you would go to a website and you would open up Netscape <laughs> and you would, you would go to a website and flashbacks, you, you, hit, you, hit the page, you hit the page and then it says, uh, welcome to our website. 
actually, we built this website for Internet Explorer. Please go download Internet Explorer and open it on there. I'm like, ah, oh, damn, okay, well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so download Internet Explorer, do that, and then you can use the website. And all the different browsers work different ways. Like there were just X-based right. browsers and all that stuff. And, and, you know, it was really for the technical folks. And we said, hey, if we want this internet thing to really take off, like we're going to need to standardize the way this crap works. And so like everybody is familiar with like the W3C now. Right? So yeah. it doesn't matter like which browser you download from anywhere. They, you can go to any website on any of them and you're going to have a pretty similar user experience regardless of what you're using. I'll send some federal yeah, government guys over your way, though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, and, like, you know, that didn't happen by accident. It, it happened by com big companies, influential companies coming together, creating a standard on how we do things on the Internet and driving towards that change. And a similar thing is happening with authentication. Uh, back in 2014, 2013 timeframe, uh, you know, all the big companies that kept getting hacked got together and said, hey, we have to change things. Let's actually standardize the way that people should be authenticating without, without a password. And, and they created this thing called Fast Identity Online, Fido. And today there's like hundreds of members. You've got like Apple, Facebook, Google, um, Meta, sorry. Uh, Google, <laughs> Google on it. And, you know, we all came together. I've been on the board there for a few years now, and, and we all came together and we said, okay, how can we create a standard to change and not require passwords anymore? And that just happened as a incremental thing. And, and, and nothing in standards happens overnight. Right. Um, and, and it's been seven, eight years since then. And just now in the last couple of years in particular, we're starting to see wide adoption of that standard across different industries. And it's mostly in highly regulated industries where the companies are getting breached the most and they have, they, you know, they're mostly motivated, they're most motivated to make the change, but it's going to proliferate everywhere else over the next several years. And what Hyper does really is like we take that standards based approach, we package it really nicely so that like enterprises can understand it and operationalize it. And then we make it available to them and we make money. Like, so that's, that's what we do. A very similar parallel can be drawn to like what Okta did with SAML and OpenID Connect protocols and standards, right? Like anybody can build SAML, but nobody does. Um, and they really packaged it nicely, operationalized it. And now they're a 30 something billion dollar business. How in, in a passwordless environment, what, what do you envision? How seamless and smooth is it for somebody to get access to whatever it is that needs federation, you know, behind that? What's, what's the, what's the vision? How's that standpoint now? Yeah, I think like, you know, the vast majority of people at any company use a password to do three things. One is they use a password to log into their computer. Two is they use a password to get like on the network, like a VPN type of thing. Um, and then three, they use a password to access web applications. Applications. And so that's like, if you look at any company of any size, like 95% of people do those three things. And that's about it. The knowledge workers. And so that's where we focus. We say, hey, let's, uh, let's get rid of the password there. Let's find a way for you to take what you have in your pocket, which is your phone, 
and use that to access your computer, use that to access your web applications, use that to access your VPN, basically as a remote control. And, you know, if you have some crazy requirements because of your job function and you work on a skiff or whatever, like you, you can use a Yubi key or a Titan key. I saw you showed earlier, right? Like I've never used use it. I've had it for things. three years. <laughs> exactly. You use your phone every day, yep. right? So, um, so for us, like we said, okay, let's eliminate the password for those use cases because that's the vast majority of people. And, you know, if you look at a company that has like 50,000 employees, they spend like $4 million a year on password mm -hmm. resets and lockouts. And so just solve that by 95% and then, you know, solve for the other 5% afterwards. Uh, once you actually see the value and you can take a step back and take a breath because you're not spending all day long resetting people's passwords. No, I, I think the idea is, is genius because I am, you know, keeping business leaders and getting business leaders to understand it and getting their employees to create complex passwords that, I mean, even NIST has changed their stance yep. on, you know, password policies and things of that nature. And so it, it, it's always been a weak point. You know, you know, the list of weak passwords that they post every year are still, still the same, you know, password one, two, three is still commonly used out there and things of that nature. And so moving to a, a passwordless society to me is very intriguing. Um, you know, at the same time, it makes me wonder like what additional, like, like how does that, how does that compare from a threat perspective, you know, from a security standpoint, you know, how do we eliminate those concerns or what, what other security concerns is this, you know, transitioning to this passwordless society? What does that look like? What, what kind of issues does that bring up for us that you guys are looking at and kind of forecasting as you're uh, spearheading this transition and in, into this way of life? Yeah. I, I like to solve security problems for my dad. So my dad's like reasonably technical. He uses a computer every day, but like, you know, I'd like to solve it for him. And, and two, two years ago, my, like my dad gets phone calls all the time. Like, Hey, <clears throat> sir, can you read me that code that we just sent you to your phone? All right. Trying to fish him and still <laughs> get into his account. And, you know, he's, he's smart enough, you know, to not fall for it, but most people aren't. Um, and so, Mostly because I work in this industry, but regardless. Um, I, hey, I've got no panic <laughs> phone calls from my parents as, as well. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the thing that I've seen change over the last two years is two years ago when my dad would get that phone call, the thing at the ed other end of the line was a human being. It was a human being telling him, sir, can you read me that code? Mm -hmm. Today, when he gets that phone call, it's a bot. And... The fascinating part about that is that entire process is now automated. So two years ago, if you had MFA, it's like, okay, I have MFA, but for a bad guy to bypass it, like they got to call the person and trick them into providing a code and all that stuff that takes time, energy, effort, you know, and all that stuff. So you were dealing with very few scenarios of that bypass happening. Now a teenager can take a database of individuals point it at a company and target everybody all at once with the robocalls and such. And if 2% two pe two of people work, fall for it and you have an organization that's 300,000 people, like that's right. That's huge. That's huge, right? So um, right. That, that difference in the approach by the hackers has been massive. And it's been a, a big driver for solving that phishing problem. 
to the extent that like the OMB stuff that was updated last week um, uh, with the with the president's executive order around zero trust, like it outlined, I think, five pillars for zero trust. And the first pillar is identity. And within identity, it said multi-factor authentication that is resistant to phishing. Which is because no such thing exists. Yeah. Because like the, the traditional multi-factor authentication that every business uses now is not phishing resistant. Right. Um, I mentioned this somewhere else before, like, so Google deploy their beyond corp stuff in a major way. And it's probably the most successful reference of zero trust in the industry. And the way that they got to phishing resistant authentication is they, in the earlier days, they super glued UB keys into everybody's laptop. So this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to use to authenticate. And like, look, vast majority of businesses are not going to go down that route and they're going to need more yeah. elegant solutions. But the vast majority of people at Google are very technical and are okay with that type of stuff. Right. Um, and, and so that's been like the really most interesting part. And then the second part is from a risk perspective is ransomware. Like you can't get ransomware coverage for your cyber insurance if you don't have MFA. Right. Yep. Right. And like, you know, the way that, you know, when I think it was um, Maersk, right, when they got breached uh, with ransomware, um, when when the ransomware spread from like one host to like 50,000 hosts in like two minutes or something, some crazy <laughs> statistic like that. It was because the ransomware landed on that computer. It took a cached password that was in memory Replayed. and just used that to access every other computer in the network. Replay. So, yeah, and, and that's that's how it was able to spread. Now, if you weren't using passwords to access that computer, that ransomware would land there. It would encrypt the hard drive of that computer and that computer alone. And, you know, one IT guy at Maersk would have probably had a tough day. Right. <laughs> Instead. Versus the entire. <laughs> Instead, it shut down shipping across the world for like three weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. You talk a lot about multi-factor authentication and MFA. Uh, one of the things that, that drives me nuts with it is the fact that I have to continually remember which one I of my MFA programs I have associated to which portal. Uh, because not all of the software applications will work with either Microsoft Authenticator or, or uh, Duo or whichever other Authies, probably the one I use uh, a lot. With what you're doing with Hyper, how how easy is it to integrate with a variety of platforms where you don't have a lot of limitations? Do you have to work with the vendors themselves to say, hey, we need access to XYZ so we can give you this new method that what's coming in the, the 23rd century type of stuff? Or, or how does that how's that approach been? Yeah, that's the most that's the most that's the part of our business that has required the most discipline over the last seven years. And so we set out to build a authentication company. And when you do authentication, it is really tempting to, when, when you have an enterprise that's paying you good money and they're happy with your authentication product for them to say, hey, why don't you just replace our identity management layer too? Because you right. know, like we like working with you guys so much that like, you know, it would just be amazing. And it requires a lot of discipline for us to tell them no 
because the reason that you have that disjointed experience and you have that difficulty in knowing what to use when is because every single identity provider, I'm talking about like Microsoft, Azure, right? Uh, Okta, Ping, ForgeRock, you name it, CA, SiteMinder, you know, all these things, they all have their own MFA and they want you to use their MFA. Right. And so you end up in the situation where as an employee of some company, you're, you have three, four, five different apps on your phone. Uh, and then your IT help desk has to support three, four, five different apps and train. <laughs> and, and, and so it just like makes everything worse. So by us having this discipline of only doing the authentication, it gives us the ability to go to a company and say, hey, we're not going to try to replace all the identity backend stuff that you're doing. Okay. Uh, let's just give you a single pane of glass for authentication. And it's a single pane of glass for your people to use to authenticate to all these different services. And it's a single pane of glass in terms of troubleshooting for your IT help desk. And so that requires a lot of integrations on our part. So like we have direct integrations with Active Directory Federation services, Ping, ForgeRock, Okta. Like we, we have these integrations and we have to support them so that we can be that single pane of glass in front of all these uh, in front of all these identity backends, whether it's Active Directory or one of those, and and so that's the discipline on our end, and that's the benefit for our customers, because if you know, I was talking to a, I was talking to a, a an employee at a at a bank recently. He said, well, medium sized bank, and he was like, well, you know. Our, our last CISO was like just a huge fan of Google and the way that they do things. And so when he came in, like he started shifting everything to Google. Like we were, we were doing Google meet and everything else. And we were doing Google authenticator and all that stuff. And then, you know, he quit. And then, um, we got this new guy that used to work at Microsoft. <laughs> and he's like, now like everything is just changing again. Like, and everybody's like just so confused like what's happening why are we doing this again we just retrain people like you know and, and so it provides our customers with that flexibility of all right yeah there's going to be changes on the back end of course they're inevitable through mergers and acquisitions or you know people leaving coming but that doesn't mean we should piss off every single person right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what we're uh that's really like where we play and and so you only have to have one app on your phone, basically. That would be fantastic because <laughs> I go through that every day going, I don't remember which one I tied to what. <laughs> uh, and I like your guys' approach in the way in which you're trying to simplify these things because, and like you said before, you're trying to solve the issue for your father who is, no, who uses a computer, but, you know, has, has he's not at the, the super high level of, you know, technology wherewithal. And so when, when you look at who you're trying to solve the problem for, who's your, who's your target demographic? Because, you know, the people that are going to be listening to this, you know, we're, we're talking to business executives and we're, we're talking to business leaders that may not be the most technical, but at the same time, they realize that they have a security problem and they want to be proactive when it comes to cybersecurity and, and being on the, you know, for, for us, you know, having you on this, on this show is, is bringing them information, new information, because, you know, this is something that's, that's, 
new into the market space for, for the most part when you talk about small businesses and things of that nature. And so who's your target demographic? Are you are you guys looking at the, the small to mid-sized enterprise? Are you guys looking at small businesses? Where are you guys trying to fit into the market space? Yeah, look, just currently with regards to what we provide and the value that it brings to our customers, we're seeing the most traction. And as a result, it's our target in highly regulated industries. Financial right. services, payments, insurance, healthcare, lots of energy stuff lately, actually. Um, Industrial controls. Things yeah. that are, are top of mind from a regulatory perspective because they're the ones that are the biggest targets, especially the grid, you know, yep. from a nation state perspective, like they're starting to be targeted much more and more. And so this type of stuff is really important. Um, and, and so they're the ones kind of proactively going out and educating themselves first on why it's so important to get rid of a password. Um, but, you know, over the next few years, that is going to change drastically. Um, and it has changed over the last two years. Two years ago, we were providing our capabilities to five verticals. Now it's 18. So it's growing significantly. And, and so for us, it's, you know, any business, you know, from anywhere from 500 people to 500,000 people. But they're within those industries that face the most uh, risk from adversaries. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you're like a local credit union in Iowa uh, that we have as a customer or whether you're a top four bank, you know, you're facing the same problems yep. uh, and we've solved them the same way. Do you ever see, you know, kind of piggybacking on what he said, that this hits uh, mainstream, that we'll, it, we'll be looking at Amazon.com or logging into Facebook in, a, in, in such a way where we won't have to use that. Do you see that getting that way in 20 years or 30 years, you know, because it's a gigantic Titanic shift of what people are used to? Yeah, I think I think it'll happen sooner than that. I think that a lot of these places like Facebook, for example, um, are already providing this capability as an alternative but it's not the primary way of authenticating, which means that it's implemented, it's deployed, it's in their platform, it's in their product, but it is not a requirement yet. And I think that, you know, there's, it's going to be incremental. Like once they get to a certain critical mass of users preferring that method, they're just gonna feel more comfortable flipping the switch. Now, do you think that they'll wait until peop more people get comfortable with it or is it better from your perspective and from your opinion to to kind of push them because we're creatures of habit you know people are used to doing this and this is the way that they're going to do it and as soon as you inflict change or enforce change it's like ah and it's rough for the first you know few weeks few months depending upon what it is that you're changing and then after that you settle back into some normalcy and so is it one of those things where do you think that it'd be better for them to rip the band-aid off and enforce it and force everybody in this direction i i don't like the forced approach um, I like the nudged approach. So a lot of our customers, when they deploy our product, uh, people can still use a password to log into stuff for a while. Okay. But, you know, they'll tell them, hey, this is available. You can log in passwordless. It's so awesome. It's so amazing. And then people are like, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I just, I just know. I like my Johnny <laughs> one, two, three. I, I'm going to type. And then, that. you know, a month later they'll say, all right, well, you know, our new password complexity is 16 characters minimum. And then like, people are like, oh, well, while I'm at it, I might as well enroll in this password. <laughs> you know, or. So you create the scenario they, of transition. 
<laughs> yes. So it's it's the nudge approach, right? Oh, okay. Um, and, and there's another thing. Like at, at every company, there are influential people. You know, yeah. People people work at companies, and ultimately, they want to they want to mimic, they want to emulate their leaders. And so when they see a leader yeah. at the company doing something, they want to do it. Too. I totally so agree. There's been instances where like a CEO or CIO of one of our customers will make a video, you know, using passwordless to log in and then they'll share it with the entire company. And then the next day, like thousands of people just hop on board, yeah. not, not even telling them you should do this just by them doing it. Um, and, and so there's really good ways to do this that aren't forced because ultimately when anytime you try to force people to use a technology, it, it's never pretty. They tend to push back. They say, I can't do my job if you make me do this. And, and, and we try to not do that. Is it, is there anything, um, you know, we've talked about the NIST standards around passwords and how that's changed. I'm still waiting for emoticons to be part of what they talked about however long ago that was. But is there a new standard or a new set of policies, procedures that are going to come down for passwordless environments? So we're going to have another framework to have to adhere to? I think that this concept of phishing resistant is going to be more a requirement rather than a uh, recommendation. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that's going to become part of things like HIPAA, uh -huh. right? It's going to become a part of things like um, the NIST guidelines, PCI, right? Yep. It's going to become part of right. uh, SOC 2 requirements. Um, and when that happens, there's going to be a drastic change in the way authentication and the MFA works. Because anytime you have the user typing anything in, it means they can be tricked into typing that thing in or providing it to someone which is additional. And so I think that that will happen sooner than later. One of the examples of that is the payment services directive over in Europe. That's kind of part of GDPR and open banking and all that stuff. Um, they basically say um, any transaction, I believe over $25 in value needs to be uh, signed by a cryptographer. Mm, okay. And that's basically how FIDO and passwordless standards yep. work. Um, and so they're kind of putting the requirement out there from that perspective. Um, and that I think that comes into effect to the point where they're going to start enforcing it in April of this year. Okay. Um, and the, the penalties are severe if you do not comply, like percentage points of your gross income. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Wow. So, <laughs> you're going to see a screen. You're going to get a lot of That's... phone calls on like March 30th. <laughs> yeah. That'll get your attention. So, <laughs> you start talking about percentage points. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be fascinating to watch. That's for sure. Uh, it's fascinating. All right. Like I said, you start talking percentage points and you'll get a lot of people's attention really, really quickly. <laughs> Um, well, I, I know that we're, we're we're coming close on time, and I know that there were some things. I really was – I mean, I'm fascinated by your story. Um, you know, I do a lot of work to, to help with veterans and, and business owners, 
you know, veterans who want to be business owners and those who have ideas. And I know that John, I talked about this a little bit before, before coming into this, this interview was that, you know, just fascinated with your story as far as the process of raising money and getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, is there any insight that you could give to, to those that are just starting out? Because, you know, like I said, our, our audience are those that are, you know, could be in the startup phase all the way up to mature, you know, uh, leaders of mature organizations, can you give any insight as to, you know, how that whole process went for you to, to seeding, <laughs> funding and all that? I thought I saw a grin. All of that. I thought I saw a grin as you asked. It is, it is, it is the most painful thing. You, well, you answered a question I had written down, um, and you used a stronger word than I had written down. So, okay. So, so to give you a kind of idea, and, and like me, like me and my co-founders of Hyper, like we're all first-time founders. We never did anything before. Like we had jobs, yeah. but that's about it. And so, when we want to start a business, especially in the cybersecurity space, you know, where you know there's 240 something authentication companies. <laughs> You guys might not know this. No. So, wow. I didn't know that. So it, I didn't know it's that. It's guys that have never done it before. They have never built a business. They never built a business in this industry. And they're they're entering an arena where there's 240 other players who have done this before, most likely. And so why should we back them? And ultimately, it's all about the proof, right? When, when you look at venture capital funding and raising money and getting investors, it's about the team which we did not have. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the timing, right? What's your, like every technology has a application, but does it have an application to reach any meaningful scale in the next three to five years? Like that's the, that's the timing part of it. Uh, Traction is the big one. Uh, And traction is how can you prove that people are actually willing to pay for this? Um, or use it on a regular basis and rely on it. And that's basically like where we focused fire for us is, all right, we don't have the team. You know, people have been saying passwords are going to die any day now for 20 years. Like nobody's going to believe us on the timing. So let's just get the traction. Let's just build something, put it out there. Let's get people using it and they'll have to believe us. And so that's what we did. And 78 investors, venture capital investors, told us no before the first one said yes. Wow. So you just got to have the grit. 78 no's. You got to, you know, and, and a lot of the veterans, you know, military, they have the grit. They, they right. do that. Like, you know, some of the people that we have here at Hyper, like the, many of them are veterans, and they're the, they're the people you put on a project when come hell or high water, it needs to happen. It's getting done. And and that's amazing. And and I think that, you know, just don't give up. Focus on getting the traction. If you haven't built a business before, you know, uh, build a good team that you trust um, and and just execute and make people believe you because you have the traction. And and that's that's the number one thing I I think I would recommend. Are you going to go through another round? That is sound (laughs) advice. That is sound advice. I appreciate that. You going through another round? <laughs> Look, it gets easier with every round, honestly. Okay. Like you know, it's just that first, that first. Because now you oh, got yeah. the name out there. You, you've, you've, you know, got the growth from. I, I would imagine some previous investments and course, stuff like yeah. that. So, and, and, like I have references. Gotcha. You know, I, have references. I, I think yeah. that's the key thing. 
there's other people that have come and joined your yeah. train and, and attached themselves to your train. So it's not like being the first one saying, eh, I don't you're know. You're a little these too guys. risky for I me. Don't, <laughs> yeah, you're way too risky. It becomes a lot easier when you have more people on top of your train, on board your train. And like you said, you've got the team around you now. Um, so yeah, I, I completely understand how it gets a lot easier in the future. Yeah, look, you got to hire the right people. You got to hire people that are smarter than you. You know, I tell, I tell our investors all the time, you know, you know, myself and my co-founders, this is our first time doing this. We are the only people at this company that have at the leadership level that have the luxury of learning on the job. Everybody else that we hire at the leadership level has to have seen the movie, has to have been there, done gotcha. that, because that's the only way that we'll succeed. And a lot of, I think a lot of, you know, founders kind of have a difficult time putting themselves in that position where they're the dumbest person in the room on a regular basis. <laughs> and and, and yeah. a lot of times, you know, those businesses where with those founders tend to not succeed. Either that or they, they plateau very quickly. Yep. No, yeah. that's, that's awesome. And, and I'm fascinated by, I like business things, you know, as much as anything else, to be honest with you. So seeing that I, I, I'm glad AJ asked, cause if he wasn't, I was going to ask that cause I was very curious <laughs> about that. Um, so as we, as we wrap up, yeah. where's, where's a good spot if people want to, you know, reach out and connect with you or reach out and connect to, uh, to hyper to learn more about putting the solution in place. Uh, look, just check out our website, hypr.com. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on there pretty regularly. Um, and you know, I like to have conversations with everybody. Like one the thing is authentication is something that is for the every man. You know? <laughs> it's universal. And, and yeah. so, it touches everybody. So anybody that has opinions on how it could work better, points of frustration that they maybe have within their industry that is unique to them. Like I, I love hearing about that stuff. I love hearing about like, I can't use my phone to log into stuff because I have to wear gloves at work. Oh, yeah. Help me solve that. Like, you know, those things, those use cases are just, you know, always a learning experience for me because ultimately we want to build a product that applies to everyone. And we're not going to get there by, you know, just focusing on the use cases where we've been successful so far. Now, you know, and that ties in. We, we spoke to Ken Underhill. He's a big cyber trainer. He runs Cyber Life TV. I don't know if you know Ken or not. And we talked about diversity within the tech field and cybersecurity community and bringing those different stories and those different life experiences that you may not be exposed to to sit there and go, oh, man, I never even thought about that. And that's why that's important to have that in this, in this area. Yeah, I, I never... One of the things that a trap that a lot of startups fall into is hiring people from that industry only. Hire people from outside the industry from maybe they're not even in the tech space, but they just have a get stuff done mindset, you know, and, and just bring them in, have them apply their perspective to it. And this is why, you know, diversity is so important. Like a lot of people just like to check the box, like, all right, we got 25% women, women, great. You know, like <laughs> it's, um, it's about bringing people in from different cultures, from different backgrounds so that they can provide their perspective because there's billions of people on the planet of all sorts and kinds. And if yep. you want to build a product that applies to all of them, you need those people in your company. Like it's good for your business. Don't look at it as a check the box exercise. <laughs> like, you can't like, that's just a massive mistake that people make. Absolutely. Well, really appreciate your time. Uh, this was great. Hope to be able to check in with you, uh, uh, you know, later down the road. And uh, it was this was awesome. I had a blast. 
It was. No, I appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much. Have a great weekend, and uh, thank you for having me on.